Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Metallica podcast, Volume 1, The Black Album, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Lars Ulrich. If you line 20 people up against that wall over there who all appreciate the Black Album and ask that same question, hopefully, and I'm pretty fucking sure you'll get 20 different answers. Kirk Hammett. As we started touring and the album got more exposure, it was just like a slow blossom, a very, very slow blossom that continues to blossom today. James Hetfield. The Black Album is just another part of our journey. And we've talked about this a lot, about how fearful we are of looking at the past and resting on certain laurels. But it got us to where we need to be right now. We go through all kinds of stuff together and not just with the four of us, but a lot of people in the world have been enjoying this journey together with us. The Metallica Podcast. The Black Album. This is Side 8, Metallica Rules. Do you think the Black Album was exactly what you wanted it to be? Did you think that this is us going to take us to the next level? Because I always wonder that with myself, because I just thought we're just doing the next thing. Me too. (laughs) Anytime I think that we have tried to write the best live anthem ever or we've gone out of our way to try and steer it a certain way it never ends up the way you want it to so that's the beauty of art at least i believe when we were doing the black album did you know people are going to love this and this is going to take us to another level i think it's a great question i i think success can be measured obviously in more than one way so the mission statement which was you and I, the band and Bob and everybody, I mean, we got to fucking reinvent the wheel here and we got to write some shorter songs and find a different way to express ourselves. The whole second part of it is that then it became basically the biggest album of the 90s and connected with 600 gazillion people and was the number one selling album. Nobody could see that coming. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that my imagination could even think it could connect with that many people. When you say the success of it, I mean, it's just numbers. Our music has never been a product. Our music has never been... The easy way out could look every single Metallica fan in the eye and go, it was always truthful. It was always pure on anything we've ever done. At that moment when we did it, it felt like the right thing to do. Each record, each creative output is a reflection of that moment in time. Totally. And you I'll don't... always be proud about that. It was like 10 years in the making and, and there would be no Black Album without the Injustice for All album and the fact that it was our fifth record. But I think also what was going on in terms of Seattle, Nirvana, 
Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, all the the so-called hair metal of the late 80s was starting to have run its course. The record companies were realizing that there was a whole slew of people out there that wanted something that was less prepackaged and more organic. It was an interesting time, not only a time of transition within Metallica, but also a time of transition outside of the walls of that studio in North Hollywood. Jason Newstead, Metallica bassist from 1986 to 2001. We just went and played our punk rock music for these people talking about it 30 years later. A giant impact and making so many more people happy and contented than sad or depressed. We made more people smile by millions than we ever made frown. That is the shiniest part of the crown. I still have that feeling. We'll get up on stage and we'll play Master of Puppets. And like some 16-year-old out there is screaming, loving Master of Puppets. And I think, really? You really like this? Come on. I'm going to wake up at some point in my bed going, wow, what just happened? <laughs> but, you know, as Lars articulated very well, things happen for a reason. And the fact that we built up, we paid our dues, we did all the stuff we had to do, I think that gave us the endurance and the, at least the eye to see why and how this was happening around us, but know internally that we did it our way and we did it with a true heart. That everything, every album up to that moment, we have done because we love what we do. We were playing songs, recording songs, that we want to hear, that we never got to hear. And we get to create what we love, and the bonus is that other people like it. A lot of the reason that the chemistry worked right off the bat when I joined these guys. Speaking for myself, I've always had a real need for authenticity and realism. And I feel that with my music. And I know that these guys feel it with their music. You know, there's nothing else. You know, no surprises. You know, you buy the album, you see us. Throughout our, our entire career, we've maintained this. It, it especially resonated around 1989-1990 there was so much glitz there was so much glamour in entertainment in general in movies mtv music there was just so much of everything there's just a lot of excess you got hair metal and then all of a sudden we show up with this album and we're just like guys in jeans and t-shirts you know And that is the reason the album is called The Black Album. Yep. It's a big black 
piece of yeah. art yeah, with it's, it's, the it's, name on it. Yeah, it's no, no distractions. Yeah, no distractions. No distractions. It was authentic and as real as we were. And that there was a huge part of our audience out there that wanted exactly that. They wanted to be able to look at pictures of a band and feel like, they could relate to them, you know. These guys are just in jeans and T-shirts. yeah. And that was also part of the appeal of, like, you know, people kind of, like, shifting their lens, just looking for an alternative to all this other glitz and glamour that was going on and then discovering a whole different world. And I also believe that because of the authenticity of it all, it rubbed off on other people. If it wasn't for... Us, you know, throwing ourselves out there in a real honest way. We actually, like, opened roads for for other types of music to happen, like grunge. It's still a surprise just how much this album survives. Cliff Bernstein, Metallica manager, co-founder, Q-Prime Artist Management. I knew what we had. I, and I, I knew Enter Sandman would be just through the roof. We were there at Geffen, and I said, I've got this thing in my bag here. I had the Black Album in there. I said, I want to play you something. I put Enter Sandman on. Of course, it's six minutes long. Again. We're going to break some rules here because those long songs are hard to get played, but we did it with one on MTV. So I play Mentor Sandman, and these guys are just, they're on the floor. It's like, oh my God, Cliff, this is unbelievable. This thing is such a smash. This is ridiculous. Now that's, of course, the reaction I wanted to get. Part of the game here is get people talking about Metallica, a band who in four albums had never gotten any airplay for real get people talking about it in the mainstream record business, the mainstream radio stations, anxious to hear it before it's even out. Mark Reiter, Metallica's chief creative guy. One of the many things I've learned about this band in, in the time that I've been working with them is that once you start listening to Metallica, you rarely stop listening to Metallica. Greg Steele Hepner, DJ. KNAC. I've done a lot of music research over the years, and never in my history of, of seeing music research scores have I ever seen anyone being tired of hearing the best songs Metallica's ever made. It never really happens. Big songs have a cycle, and they go away for a while, and they come back, or they have some great sense of nostalgia, and then they'll be hot for a little bit, and then they'll sort of drift back. But that's never happened with the big hits on this record. And the the fun part is watching not only how people have gotten more familiar and favorable opinions of some of the lesser songs, the ones that weren't singles, the power of those songs really have have lasted so long and they will they are timeless. So it's it's pretty cool. Brian Slagle, founder, Metal Blade Records. The record came out in 1991, which was kind of the changing of the guard in terms of metal, where obviously the grunge scene had come in and taken over. But the interesting thing about that album was that while it was a metal album, everybody could relate to it. Like if you're a rock fan, if you're a metal fan, 
If you're a fan of grunge, they all love metal. I think even a lot of the kids that are in there, they just wanted a fresh approach as opposed to, you know, kind of a lot of the hair metal bands, I guess, that were on at the same time. And Metallica clearly wasn't in that world. That's how records become big. If you could touch every different manner of music genres and fans, that's how you get a big record. That's really the Black Album became that. It was the album that everybody had to listen to. It just was the right album at the right time with the right songs. And obviously it's turned out to be one of the most classic albums ever. When it came out, it just kind of was the perfect storm. Juanes, Blacklist Artist. I listened Enter Salman on the radio. And I was out of a bar. I was with a friend of mine from school. And he was showing me this song from his uh, car. And I was listening to this song and I, I couldn't believe it. It's so brilliant. This is amazing. I mean, this is something else, different, different. Nothing like that in the radio at that time. And I was so proud of them. I also remember when they play the video one on MTV for the very first time. <laughs> I was like crazy guy at home, like trying to explain to my brothers how important it was for me that Metallica was on MTV. They couldn't understand my, my emotion, you know. I was very emotional and very happy just to see somebody that represents everything I was in that moment. They were representing me on MTV. Wayne Isham. Filmmaker. I love Metallica. I directed the Inner Sandman video, the incredible Inner Sandman video. Well, I'm a metalhead. Metal lives forever within me. So and it was on a cusp of different genres of, of music and what's going on, but I think that's what makes it timeless. Did we know it was going to be this big? No. We knew it kicked ass, and that's all that mattered to, uh, to me at that point. We knew that we had kicked everybody's ass in it. And that alone should have made it what it was, but to the point that it is right now to the legendary status, which I'm very appreciative of, no, we never knew that. Kurt Marvis, producer. The thing I'll say about Sandman for the true fanatics is if you take that video now and when it's the band performance, just freeze a frame and look at the frame and you'll see that it's actually made up of like four or five layers of images that are actually where it's all blending and bleeding and going sort of weirdly psychotic while they're playing. Wayne was obsessed with multi-layered, I used to call it frame fucking, or even field fucking. <laughs> But if you look at those frames now, they're like pieces of art. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod 
or text Wondery Pod to 500 500. The Metallica Podcast, Volume 1, The Black Album, Side 8 continues. From somebody who still to this day, 40 years later, loves other people's music the same way I always have and still find it hard to believe that our music was equivalent to the the bands that I grew up and idolized, whether it's the Deep Purples or the Black Sabbaths or the Thin Lizzy's or the Diamond Heads or the Motorheads or whatever, that we could even be. We're playing a gig with Judas Priest. We're playing with Judas Priest. It's like, They're oh going on right before us, yeah, too. You know, we did a whole tour with ACDC at the beginning of the Black Album cycle. We played with the Rolling Stones. We've opened up for Iron Maiden. All these were the bands that I had posters up on my walls when I was a kid. And the fact that we're even mentioned in the same level of appreciation is kind of a mind fuck. <laughs> Dave Garn, Depeche Mode. I have, like, deep respect for Metallica as well. Along the way, we've crossed paths a few times and, you know, hung out. Nice bunch of blokes, hard-working, and it's not easy to still, after 40 years, you know, sort of maintain that level of excellence in what it is you feel you need to do to challenge yourselves. I know what that is, so I have, like, full respect, you know, in that way, because it's not easy. All the trials and all the stuff you go through as well along the way, it's just kind of part of it. You stick together, you... There's something about it that brings this, this wonderful thing, which we call music, to, to people and changes people's lives and also keeps us going, so... It was like, wow, it's 30 years? You know, it's like, you know, uh, that was my first thought. I mean, Metallica... Then my band, we were at the top of the mountain. Jay Balvin, Blacklist Artist. Anything that makes me feel like a kid is just totally joy. And since I remember the great times when I was a kid listening to Metallica, it just like revived and, 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 and made me like just like reborn for minutes when I'm listening to the song. This is what I used to dream. This is the music that used to inspire me all the time to be someone in music. Adam Dubin, documentary filmmaker. I remember being in this band room and you start hearing these songs, these incredible songs. So just like, oh my God, imagine even in its raw state and it's there for anybody to see in the film, you start hearing Enter Sandman and The Unforgiven. I mean, this is not just like another record coming together. This is like, you already had a feeling that something really epic, a real step in rock music was happening here. I kind of felt it, and uh, I think everybody did, even at that early stage. Alice Cooper. They could have gotten heavier. They could have gotten to the point where it was just anger. 
but that would have not been them. They were songwriters and they were gonna write their best songs. They have not given up their edge. When they get on stage, there's a magic thing about that. When you stick around as long as we have it, and you're suddenly something other than human up there. In Metallica, they might as well be the Avengers. They're almost like non-human. They're so big that people just go, wow. Rob Halford, Judas Priest. And Metallica have been metal ambassadors since day one. Some people that have maybe never heard of Metallica either got a T-shirt or whatever, but you're led to the source. And then suddenly, oh, it's not just a black album. I think that's the album that did incredible things, not only for Metallica, but for heavy metal globally. David Frick, rock critic, Rolling Stone. The fact that we're talking about it 30 years later, that people still buy it because they haven't heard it yet or they've heard someone talk about it or they need it again because they ruined the last copy. It's ultimately a combination of circumstance, fortune, the time in which you do it, who you do it for, the commitment, and just the quality of the work. Nobody does this thinking, man, they're just gonna love my shit in 30 years. That's not the purpose and that's not the point. You do it because you have to. When you do it and it works, it's because there's somebody there to receive it. They need it as badly as you needed to do it. Everything that went into its creation ensured that it would connect with people in a transformative way. And when you do it right, it's gonna work. Simple as that. Powers, music critic, NPR. I definitely had a sense of the Black Album coming out because I was living in the Bay Area in 1991 and the Metallica guys were already complete rock royalty. Metal is a realm where so many interesting things happen, not just musically, but also lyrically, kind of psychically. It is the realm of narrative storytelling. It is the Marvel Universe before the Marvel Universe takes over everything in mass culture. And Metallica was attuned to that on the Black Album in a really profound way. I think it's one of the main reasons it it became such a huge success. It is a story of interior life, but not necessarily in a confessional or singer-songwriter way, although that's there, but it's a story of fantasy life. Lena Dawes, music journalist. People who have a vested interest in writing about Metallica and people that really know what they're talking about can see the evolution of this band. They have the right to experiment. 
They have the right to explore. It's always been a tenuous balance between the fandom and wanting things to stay the same versus the realization that people grow and they've grown into the most successful heavy metal band of all time. But what Metallica did was that they grew their audience. They're being able to branch out and to capture the larger audience. Reminiscing is not our forte, I would say. We're always kind of looking forward, uh, not so much in the rearview mirror. Well, the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. (laughs) And we like looking through the windshield of what's coming next. It's all a part of the one big deal, you know? And so uh, when I wake up, the Black Album is just another part of our journey. It is that mile marker on the way to the next one. And we've talked about this, how fearful we are of looking at the past and resting on certain laurels. But it got us to where we need to be right now. We go through all kinds of stuff together and not just with the four of us, but a lot of people in the world have been enjoying this journey together with us. There was no way... No way in hell to predict that the album would have gone on to do the things it did and move people on the scale that it did. Just another stop on the journey. And we just do our thing, go out on tour and move on. And then we go into the next writing, recording, touring cycle. As we started touring and the album got more exposure, it was just like a slow blossom. A very, very slow blossom that continues to blossom today. When I sit here and listen to Kirk and James talk about this, I'll definitely echo what James is saying, uh, which is, to me, it's, it's just 40 years of Metallica. Lots of ups, a few downs, but it's all part of a, just a journey, a forward-moving forward, forward moving journey. I'm so happy that we have a black album <laughs> in our arsenal in, yes. in, that, that we've had the experience of that one but obviously you you write the future you can imagine the future so of course now we're sitting here 30 years later but obviously you don't know that at the time but I am just as much for load or reload or garage or now we're doing a project with the symphony or now we're doing the St. Anger right in this room and Every one of those records, everyone ha- every one of those records has has its own story. Every one of those records has its own legend. San Anger may not have it as, as significant a story or as significant a legend as say the Black Album. I understand that, but to me, just in my path and my journey, they're all equal. Ron Quintana, Bay Area DJ. I think sad but true. That's got it all. And that all started with Ride the Lightning. They weren't doing 
full speed gallop aheads on every song like they did on Kill 'Em All. Ride the Lightning had some intense, heavy songs, and they weren't all at breakneck speed. And that's like sad but true. It's so damn catchy, so damn heavy. And it doesn't need to be any speed, but the, the powerful speed it's at. It's grinding, and it made us appreciate all those slower songs. That made Metallica a well-rounded band, and that's where the Black Album just did it so well. Perfect. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The Metallica Podcast, Volume 1, The Black Album, Side 8 continues. And that Rob's sense of the positive energy, just that for the three of us, it still obviously carried a degree of cynicism and still it's a work in progress, but that Rob's uh, good-natured and very stable personality was exactly what this band needed at that time. Robert Trujillo, Metallica's bass player since 2003. It's interesting because for me, sort of slightly from the outside and looking into this wonderful record, it, there's a pulse to it and a heartbeat that represents a time period. It really does represent an exciting time for music and almost a transitional time getting into the 90s and just the sound, the fat sound and the groove. The groove is so important on this album. It's almost like... This album, to me, represents that incredible pocket that Metallica has on a whole nother level than it had before. And it kind of set the pace of what's to come in the future for so many bands and for so many musicians. And it's bigger than just the style. I mean, literally, you can go to gospel musicians, R&B musicians, punk musicians, so many players and different uh, types of uh, style masters and they all identify with the black album and to me that's a very very incredible feat and uh, it also makes Metallica that much more special in my mind <laughs> For 
for me, it, it, this was like very surreal. It was all happening so quick. It was just at the pinnacle of anything I ever experienced in my life. I think my very first gig might have been, actually, I think it was San Quentin State Penitentiary. And I didn't know. You think? <laughs> now, I'm on stage. We're playing, you know, in this surrealistic setting. And I didn't know that these guys change microphones like every 10 seconds, they're going to be on a different mic because I was always groomed to stay in one position. Ozzy directed you, stay here. He, he did, actually. <laughs> I love Ozzy to death, but it was like, you need to stay on your mic and you need, I mean, you need to stay in your zone because it offsets the balance of the stage. And here I was in this other setting. And I remember being in front of what I thought was my mic and James hit me with his shoulder a little bit, you know, like get out of the way, dude, you know, that kind of thing. And then I go over to Kirk's mic and it was sort of the same thing. So I was sort of lost in all that. And it was trying And you came to try Aww. to sit down at the drums. I was like, get <laughs> yeah, away. And, and, and I got an elbow to the face. And then meanwhile, I'm looking out in the audience and I see a bunch of, uh, Convicts. Guys moshing convicts wearing like, you know, blue blue jumpsuits and then orange jumpsuits. And then I look up and I see these sharpshooters holding rifles and I'm like, where the hell am I? I mean, welcome, welcome. welcome to the world of Metallica. Welcome to San Quentin. So the whole thing was really a bit crazy. And uh, it was almost like, get ready for your journey. This is going to be an incredible it's going to be fun, but it's going to be scary. So welcome to your new world, you know? And, and that's how I was introduced to performing with this band. So it was a very interesting journey for me uh, from the San Quentin gig on literally through the first couple of years. You know, bro, the reason why you didn't get any uh, advice is because you looked like you didn't need any, man. <laughs> well, that, that that was the thing is I, I wanted to look that way because I didn't, you know. Because it looked like you were just do, doing just fine. Well, thank you. But uh, it, it in was, retrospect, it, it was definitely a, a challenge for me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so grateful that, that Rob is in this band. He's got such a amazing live presence. He did not try to fill any shoes whatsoever. He brought his own shoes and he fills them perfectly and is exactly what's needed right now. Rob has his completely own sound. If anything, he takes their parts and just like, you know, makes them work for him. And that's the great thing that was really evident to me once he joined the band, you know. I realized quickly that Rob would come into this and hold his own. And he would bring his own dynamic, his own energy, his own world to what we were doing. But it, it, it would fit right in in a new and exciting way. I'm going to cop out and just quote our manager, Cliff Bernstein. <laughs> One day he explained to us that, that the reason why the Black Album continues to carry on and, and do what it does is because every week... There's a pissed off adolescent out there, right? And they're just pissed off at the world, at their parents, at school, at culture, and they just don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden on the radio, they hear Enter Sandman and it strikes a chord in them. And 
they 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 search it out they get the black album and they f discover all those other songs that are they're hitting that same chord in them this person this pissed off adolescent goes to all his pissed off adolescent friends and goes check this out and while you're checking checking this album out i did my homework and picked up master puppets that's a scenario that i think that our, our, our manager thinks happens on a weekly basis ever since 1991 and it's happening probably right now i'm in such full agreement with that because it makes sense because i was that pissed off adolescent at one point you know and i heard heavy music and it struck a chord in me and it was the music for me and it still is cliff bernstein Metallica manager. Uh, probably it doesn't take a genius to say, and especially in hindsight, but there were five songs that were going to be hits of one sort or another. Uh, not hits in the top 40 sense, but hits in the rock radio sense. Stuff that would get played on the radio that would become familiar songs for people. And of course, we hope that they would live with people for years, and in fact, they have for decades. I think that we've always invited people in. We've always been been open to any kind of participation. And I think a, an important part of that as a musician is that people are free to interpret what you're doing in any way they want. We've never sat there and said, this is what this means. This is how you're supposed to listen to it. This is who you're supposed to be. These are rules you're supposed to follow. Fuck all that stuff and embrace the individuality in any of this. You either get it or you don't. Most people get Metallica, get Metallica songs, the poppier ones, the heavier ones. Uh, quality lasts. The Beatles are still huge. There's so many great bands that survived because they recorded those songs whatever year they did them, and they're great songs. Metallica is about great songs. Greg Steele Hepner, DJ, KNAC. At least at that time, in the universe from 1991 to 1995, the tail end of the Black uh, Album tour cycle, the radio station KNAC went off the air. And I moved back to L.A. to spend the last few months before the station went off the air working as a DJ. As we signed off the radio station, we did a big long goodbye, and Lars and James came down and spent the day with us on the air reminiscing about KNAC. We had an amazing time. The very last song we played on the air at KNAC was Fade to Black. They spent the day, they came in to hang out with us to share with the universe of Los Angeles the impact that that radio station had. And like, who does that? And I think that that's really a great testament or a story about a band who's stuck to what they believed and matured and continued to be very straight up and honest about the kinds of band that they are and, the, the, and their fans. <laughs> Thank you.
Ross Halfin, photographer. Everyone, no matter what, will always come back to this album. The Black Album is an institution, you know, in music. It really is. There's very much warmth between Metallica and their audience. There's a great warmth there. It's the connection. There really is a big connection. With that album, you know, they were always the kids' bands. That was the charm of Metallica from Ride the Lightning, Puppets, Justice made them an arena band. The Black Album made them a stadium band, but their fan base could relate to them. Big Mick Hughes, front of house engineer. I have to be honest, you would not have thought in the beginning it's a heavy metal band. How does a heavy metal band become the size of a band like Metallica? And it was like, wow, you could just tell by the reactions of the kids. They they were driven. And I'd work up for quite a few bands up to that point, but I'd never seen such a, an amount of drive for a band. Quite really passionate. Every gig we did, it's like it was something more than just a show. It was, I don't know, it was, <laughs> it was all encompassing. And people felt that. The guys are really good with the fans. They like their fans. Jake Berry, production manager. And all of a sudden, you know, the Black Album came, and you know, it was different. A little poppy, a little commercial, a little rough. It was everything you wanted in an album. The evolution of the band and where they go, and look, they're still at it today. They still deliver great shows. They still sell out stadiums. And I think, for me... The, the heavy metal fan is the most loyal. Whether you're ACDC, whether you're Metallica, Iron Maiden, and all those bands from that era, their fan base is loyal to the team. Tony Smith, tour manager. Towards the end of the Black Album tour, it had become apparent because I was the one having to deal directly with fans. I heard all these stories from people about how much this band had touched them through their music, and and I would hear this everywhere we went and multiple times in every place. And I was talking to the band about this and going, these people just want to be in touch. They want to share their experiences with you. Why are we doing this? It was like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to get this, but what are they going to get from it? What are we giving as well as what are we taking? And that's what I admired about them a lot, was that attitude of we need to give as much as we get. Uh, so it sounds really cliche, but that, that's the way that it was. And I, that's why I had so much respect. Lizzie Hale, Hailstorm. What I admire most about seeing Metallica live is that it's still just four guys playing. You can hear the looseness, you can hear the conversation, the language of music. They're paying attention to each other and they're obviously having a good time. And you don't see much of that nowadays. Every single time I've seen them, they still seem hungry and like they still enjoy what they do and want to make fun of each other on stage. It's a beautiful thing. Bob Rock, the Black Album producer. So what I got out of this podcast is I realized... Actually, it was the best thing that I ever did, the Black Album. And it's great to have done this podcast because it brings me back to the feelings that I had working with them and the effect of having worked with them for 15 years. This was big for me, too. The bottom line is it's like it's an amazing record and they're an amazing band.
if you line 20 people up against that wall over there who all appreciate the Black Album and ask them the same, that same question, hopefully, and I'm pretty fucking sure you'll get 20 different answers. And to me, that's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of all of this. And, and what are we, 12, 14 records into this? The podcast is about the Black Album. Yes, the numbers it speak for themselves. This album was the right combination of songs and the environment and the universe and the timeline. It was unleashed upon, clicked with all of that. It was just all the elements lining up. And listen, most bands, most musicians don't ever have that. Uh, I'm equally proud of every baby we've ever given birth to. But the fact that we have one album like that makes me proud. I'm fucking happy to take it still as I look into the future with unbridled excitement. For me and for my fellow band members, it's always been about growth. It's always been about looking forward. It's always about trying something new and different. It's always been about experimentation. And it's always been about the dynamic of the four of us. We're all just kind of like, I think, musically and intellectually curious on what is right around the corner for us, you know, collectively and individually. I just love the fact that people allow that to speak to them. The insanity that we do just to keep our own sanity. <laughs> people identify with it. And the fact that they know they're not alone and we know that we're not alone is, is what makes it all happen for me. I just think it's so cool that the album has a relevance. 30 years later, it still turns... Um, as many people on as it does today. So if we were sitting here in 1991, okay, you know, in 30 years from now, we're going to be sitting in our own HQ up in Northern California. We're still together. We're still functioning. We're still, we're all still somewhat intactful. We're still playing. We're still together. We can still be in the same room. We're still making records. We're still, you know, like James is saying to me, which is the number one most precious thing about Metallica is it's always about what's next. It's always about looking forward. It's about tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year. It's about the next album, the next song, yeah. the next project, the yeah. next concert, the next What are we going to do next? You know, the future, man. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the future. And, and like I always say, kind of jokingly, you know, I... Hopefully all our best years are still ahead of us. And maybe in another 20 or 30 years, we'll sit and talk about on the next record. That will be even more significant. If not, then why fucking show up, you know? Did you find something better? 
The Metallica Podcast, Volume 1, The Black Album. Executive produced by Lex Friedman for Art19 at Amazon Music. Produced by Lars Murray and Dennis Shire for PopCult. Story producers and writers, Mike Mettler and Catherine Turman. Mixing, sound design and editing, Rob Spate. Showrunner and creative direction, Dennis Shire. If you love what you've heard, give us a five-star review and share this podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and ask your fellow Metallica fans to subscribe too. I'm Claire Sturgis. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Metallica podcast, Volume 1, The Black Album, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.